0: Um, we're on part six of this series called Be Real. Be Real. Uh, and I'm excited to share with you. Actually, this morning, what I'm going to share, I think if I had one message to give, it would be some variation of this message. And if you've heard me before, you probably already know it. And I can't wait to do it. So before we get there, I got to tell you a story. Um, one of the best things, by the young guys, one of the best things you can do when you get married is check out your wife's, or, or it, and ladies too, your husband-to-be's family, right? Hugely underrated. I didn't really do that when I was um, getting married to my wife. I was mostly just checking her out. But, but man, I married into a really cool family. Like my wife's family is really cool. Okay, so you guys just keep this in mind. Someday be like, yeah, I remember, you know, this guy one time said you got to check out the family too. My wife's family is really cool. So a couple weeks ago, after church, uh, her parents love to hike. Anybody hikers here? Anybody like hiking? Yeah, they love to hike, and they're not like, you know, we're gonna go on a walk up Prospect Park. They're like, give us a mountain. We want to hike, and they're not young. They're in their whatever old. But they like to hike. And so we, Julie and I said, man, we have this hike that we went on one time. And we love it. And we Googled it up again. We looked it up. And it's called uh, the Mecca Hills Painted Canyon Ladder Hike. Yeah? Anybody been to this hike? My favorite hike in Southern California. Uh, You should Google this thing. It's Awesome, even just to look at the pictures. It is awesome. And so we went on this hike with Julie's family. We get there and uh, we went through a sandstorm to get there because in a couple of weeks ago uh, in Coachella and like out by Indio, it was like sandstorm. So, I mean, our, our car got sandblasted, um, which is okay. But we get out there and it's like 10 or 15 degrees hotter than here. Like who knew that? But out in, out in the desert, it's hotter than it is right here. So we're out there, and um, we we have. I brought with me a milk jug, full of water. That's what you call a Dutchman's camelback. We're not going to spend fifty dollars on a on a water bottle, but I'll carry a you know ten pound gallon of water with me. So we bring that, and um, my mom and dad in law. She's got a fanny pack which is not cool to mock her about, by the way. I learned that. Water bottle, fanny pack. Dad's got a little water bottle. I think my kids had like a water bottle in their backpack, right? We had maybe four water bottles. You know, it's enough water. Um, but it specifically said on the website, take water with you. Take water. It says it like right on there, like you're reading the thing. One of the first things it says, they said lock your car and take water. Water, right? All right. So I throw one of my kids on my back, um, the three-year-old that was up here pointing her flag at people, and and I see that 10-pound thing of water. I think that's way too much water to carry with this kid. And we're just going to be going, you know, I don't know, a couple hours. I'll take a big swig, and then I'll, I'll leave it. I don't need the water. Right? You guys know what happens already. You know this story. Obviously, we didn't die. But we go up this canyon. It's beautiful. And and then it starts, like, we, the canyon spits us out. And now we're exposed to, like, the sun. And the sun is beaten down. And um, I start to get thirsty. Like, right now, my, you know, my mouth starts to get the cotton mouth and, um, man, I just start to get thirsty. And we start fishing around water bottles. My dad's got a cold. I don't want to borrow his. And so me and my kids were passing around water bottles. We're like, we're down to, you know, like this much water. And we can see the top. We could see, we could see where the, this thing goes to this. And then you can see, every, you can see um, the Salton Sea. It's beautiful up there. And I've been up there before, so I know. You want to get to the top. It's been awesome in this canyon, but the whole point of the canyon is like get through it, get to the top, turn around and see the salt and sea and everything you've walked through, and it's gorgeous. You want to get to the top, and there's this moment where we're standing around, and the response—I'm the responsible one in this group, right? Not at all. And uh, we go, I go, I don't think we should go. I'm, I'm nervous. We don't have the water. I should have brought the, the water with me. They said, on the website, to what? Bring the water. Clear, crystal clear warning. Bring the water with you, man. It's a little heavy. Just drink it on the way up. And then, you know, whatever, on the way down. I didn't bring the water. We went to the top anyways. We're all very thirsty. I was scared. Long story short, we were okay. But, You know, this might be way TMI, but you can imagine, like, we we were, things were not good for us, okay? Things were not good. I was scared. Uh, There was a moment of real panic for me. We went up to the top, we drank all the water, we came down. Thankfully, it was downhill, and we made it, and we were okay. But the warning was crystal clear. The warning was real like, bring the water. We're going through these woes. In Matthew 23. And Jesus is warning crowds and disciples. And you see in Matthew 23, 1, he's speaking to people that he loves and he cares about. And his whole purpose is that they might live in union with God. That they will walk close to God. Jesus wants to see them get to the top. He wants to see them make it, and he knows that along the way, there's some real challenges that as we're hiking, as we're, as we're going, uh, there's some significant things that can derail us. I, I would say if you this morning are in a place of any kind of influence, you've got to hear this message. If you are in any kind of influence, maybe it's with your kids or in your workplace or you volunteer somewhere or you're a grandparent, if you are in any kind of place of influence, you have to hear this message because there, there are things that if we get off track, if we don't bring the water, man, we're not going to make it to the top. And the reality is for a lot of Christians... We don't live in this place of being spiritually hydrated, spiritually filled up. And so, Jesus, in love, gives this warning to us because he wants us so desperately to live close to the heart of God. And anything that stands in the way of that makes him kind of angry. And he sounds a little angry in this text. Matthew 23, starting at verse 27. Listen what he says. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. I said a couple weeks ago, the word for hypocrites is this Greek word that has, it means like you actors in a play. You're, you're wearing a mask. You're calling people to something, but that's not really who you are. You're like Your fakes, your phonies, woe to you. You're like whitewashed tombs. Now, this week I made a phone call to a funeral home to ask them if I could rent a tomb. And they said, yes, but it's very, very expensive to rent a casket, which I thought would be really cool up here for the sermon. But it was too expensive, so I didn't do it. But the idea of a whitewashed tomb, the reason you have this tomb, this casket that you paint white, outside of Jerusalem is so people don't walk into it. So people can see what it is. So they can identify, this is a tomb, inside is death, don't touch it. Because part of the Hebraic law was you don't intersect, you don't touch death. If there's death, stay away from it. Jesus is saying about these religious leaders Hey, um, people, they're like a tomb. Stay away. Stay away from them. Don't touch. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, underlined in your Bible, full of, they are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, On the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but in the inside, you are full of, underline that again, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. A word about dead men's bones and then a word about wickedness before we get to that first point. Um, How many of you have ever like, just, it's less a thing in Redlands. It's more a thing, I think, where I grew up in the Midwest. Um, I grew up kind of like in the country. And um, in the country, something that happened all the time is we would be driving and um, an animal would like dart out in front of the road, right? Boom, an animal, and what do they teach you? Don't swerve, hit it, right? Right? So some of you are like trying to hit it. No, they don't want you to do that either. But in driver's ed, they teach you guys, when you're driving, if you see an animal and he jumps out in front of you, don't try. I know like bunnies, they're super cute. Like you can hit your brakes and try, but if you hit it, you know, whatever, just keep going. And so in Michigan, there's all sorts of little animals all over the side of the road, sometimes big animals. And in the summertime, when you were driving, you would smell this roadkill right? You know the smell of roadkill? This is pungent. Can you smell it? You smell it with me? Where I grew up, they said that was dinner for rednecks. Uh, But you smell this just awful, pungent, foul smell, right? Dead men's bones. Dead animals' bones. Jesus is saying, on the inside, this is what you're full of to these religious leaders. You're full of that smell of of roadkill. You're full of roadkill. It's like oozing out of you. And and the thing is, uh, the word for wickedness, when he says you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness, the word for wickedness means lawlessness. What is the law of God all about? The chapter right before this, if you got your Bible, 22, verse 37, Jesus gets asked, what is the law? Tell us what the law is. He says it all starts with this one thing. The law, all of the, the, the stuff, the religious stuff, it all starts with this one thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the second thing is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. Jesus says to these religious leaders, you're full of this wickedness. The word for wickedness just means lawlessness. And so I interpret that as they don't have any love. There's no love inside them. They're full of all the wrong stuff. And here's the thing that Jesus knows. If we leave sin, if we leave kind of a loveless, soulless inside, unconfronted or unconfessed, it just leads to greater and greater decay discouragement, depression, despair, if we leave the inside of us uncared for, if we leave it unconfessed, if we don't face what's in here, if we don't address it, if we don't talk about it, if we if we don't invite God into what's in here, if we leave it, it just leads to greater and greater decay. And have you ever been around somebody who, um, when, when, they, when they speak, you feel behind their words just like this deep love for you? It's this amazing thing. You, you talk to them, and they listen, and they look at you, and you're just like, this person really loves, and they really care for me, and I can feel it, and I experience it. And the flip side, if you've ever talked with someone who's like bitter or angry, like that, that just comes out right you just in a conversation that you have they can't help but you, it just comes out like that smell like the roadkill smell it just comes out and um there's a couple things that i think are good tests they're good indicators for us right like how do we know where a heart is here's here's a couple little tests We've got some values at this church. And so here's a few tests that I think are kind of helpful. Um, heart Indicators of, of a heart where there might be some decay. There might be some, like, some rot. There might be some unconfessed sin and, and some unconfronted sin in our lives. First one. If we uh, spend more time worrying than we do worshiping. So we worry more than we worship. Are you with me? Anybody with me? I'm not talking about like you show up to church on a Sunday morning and you, I'm talking about like what's coming out of your heart is like praise for who God is. You just, you celebrate, you're, you're thankful for who he is. It's like worship. God, man, you're, you're good. And the thing about praise is it breaks through concerns that we have. The thing when we let our heart and we point our heart at God and say, I know you're bigger than all of this. I know that you're bigger than the whole political season. I know it. You're bigger. And so I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship you. The flip side of that is when we spend more time worrying about things than we're worshiped, there might be something that we got to check in our heart. Second, um, when we criticize and condemn more than we compliment or praise those around us, when we publicly criticize and condemn more than we praise or compliment or bless others. When we spend more time engaged in gossip and talk about people that's hurtful, that's not helpful, something we would never say to them. When we spend more time in that than we do um, complimenting and praising and giving people the benefit of the doubt, there's probably some heart decay. There's probably something in there that smells a little bit that we need to address. Lastly, if we're more concerned with getting and acquiring things for ourselves, more uh, more concerned with like getting stuff for me and my empire and my whatever, if we're more concerned with getting than we are with giving, that might be an indication that there's some heart decay. And so here's the beautiful thing. This is the thing that I think um, is so important for all of us. We will... For sure, have some of these things in our lives. We will. And so the question is, what do we do when confronted with them? What do we do when my heart just feels like dead? I know the stink is there, right? Like I smell it. I don't like it. What do I do with this, Jesus? What and there's this amazing gift, this incredible gift that I think God gives to us. The gift is called the truth. And the truth, when we face it and when we acknowledge it, when we engage in confession, we open ourselves to it, it like airs out the stink. Can you imagine um if I had like a lunchbox? You know like these lunch boxes that are like they're they're coolers, right? Um, Imagine I had a cooler, I went around Redlands, or let's say I went around where I was from, Caledonia, and I just picked up roadkill. Okay, Literally in fourth grade, I had a kid in my class bring a crow, a dead crow, in a lunch pail. And he was the coolest kid in our grade that we all wanted to be like. His name was Andy Weaver. He sold me a rabbit pelt for $5 on my first week at this new school, and I thought I had died and gone to heaven. It was like, Andy Weaver sold me a rabbit pelt for $5, and I was all over it. I bought it. And then it started to stink in my parents' basement. Um, But he brought a crow in a cooler. Do you know why? So he could stick his finger in the crow's mouth and make it talk. It was disgusting. It was so gross. But imagine, I bring like this cooler full of roadkill, right? And I let it just bake in the sun. I bring it to the parking lot here, and I let it bake in the sun. And it gets hot in that box right it gets hot in there and it starts to smell and and you start to open it up and what's going to happen oh you're going to pass out from the smell right it's like going into you know our kids' room sometimes like what is that smell that's awful right you open it up and it's going to start to smell and that smell is going to make you want to close it back down again this is kind of what our heart is like when we start to that process of confession it's like Here's here's what's really in there. Here's what's really in there. And I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, no, you gotta lay before God not what you wish was in there, but what's really in there. You don't get to say, hey, God, I got a bunch of roses and tulips in in this thing. I'm gonna open it up, and it's gonna smell like flowers. And he's like, yeah, right. I already know what's in there. Just bring it to me. Just show me. Just give it to me. I got it. I can handle it. And so we open that thing up and it smells, and it's bad. And we say, here's the reality in my life. I worry all the time. I feel dead inside. I feel like there is a roadkill inside of me. I'm afraid. I don't know why I'm afraid. I don't know what I'm afraid of, but I'm afraid. And my fear comes out in how I speak about other people. I'm afraid of the future. I'm angry. I don't know what I'm angry about, I'm just angry. I have like all this insecurity inside me. I'm insecure. How do I know I'm insecure? Because they're constantly like criticizing other people. And there's insecurity in here. And God says, yeah, that's what I want. Bring it to me. Open it up. Put it at my feet. And then he comes along with a big, awesome power washer. And he's just like, Roadkill, makes dinner, gives it up to all the rednecks. You and I, when we engage in this process of facing the truth, experience liberation. Now here's the reality. Um, Psalm, I love this one, Psalm 57 verse 1. 57 verse 1, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy in me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. There's this picture in the Old Testament that emerges, there's another psalm where it exists too, of us hiding in God's wings, of him as our protector. Um, And it's like the images of like a chicken um, with a bunch of little chicks, Right? I think we, we maybe even have a picture of a chicken with some little chicks, um, Jimmy, or not There it is You can see it it 's Scott and Bill and will and Mario, but right there 's this beautiful image of God like a hen and protecting us and guarding us and embracing us and um, actually, before the service started, I was talking with Mark the drummer, and he had a great word. He just said, "You know if people understood and knew god 's character, if they knew that he was just uh, this amazing father who longed to be with them, who longed to just like fill them, who instead of making us full of of hypocrisy and wickedness and lawlessness and lovelessness, longed to just fill us." with his love, if, if we understood that, if we trusted that more and more and more, that God wanted to take away everything yet so that we could be beautiful like his son, if we believed that more, if we, if we kept trusting him, can you imagine, he said, like just what, what people's experience in relationship to God would be like? Because here's the reality. We talk a lot about love in this community and about loving our neighbor, but we can't love our neighbor. We can't love our neighbor Unless we've first experience that transformational love of God, we can't forgive until we recognize we've been forgiven. We can't give what we don't have. Amen? We can't give what we don't have. And so for some of us, we, we, we've heard about love, we've heard about God's love, um, but we have not experienced it deeply. We did maybe years ago and maybe we tell stories about the past and about God's love in the past and what he did. But what about today? What about today? Where is your heart? What is it today that you're full of? Is this a journey that you're growing in his love? We can't give what we don't have. And we can only have it if we've opened ourselves to receive it. We can only have it if we've surrendered ourselves to God's forgiveness and his love. I'll be honest for you. Uh, Last week, um, I heard somebody say one time, when God wants to get a message to us, he won't just like try to bring it to you one time and then turn the other direction and be like, oh, he wasn't listening, I'm giving up. He'll come at you, and then he'll come at you again, and then he'll come at you again until you hear it, right? So I'm reading my devotions. Uh, We're reading me and a couple guys through 1 Corinthians, and I get to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, and it says, Love, I'm supposed to read the whole chapter. Love is patient. And I couldn't read anything else. So I put my head down. I was like, Love is patient. Oh, God is patient. Is Nick patient? The reality is, I, I want to see change happen so fast. I so often lack patience with the people around me, the people closest to me. I lack patience. I'm not patient. And and in order for me to be patient, I have to recognize that God in that moment isn't there to destroy me, but to redeem me. He shows me patience. He said it again the next day in the devotion. The last question in the devotion that I was reading says, are you becoming impatient? I was like, I heard it the first time. I got it, I'm good. Are you becoming impatient? And God is patient with us. He doesn't want to destroy us. He wants to rescue us. He wants to bring about our best selves. He wants the character of Christ to be formed deep within us. He wants you to look like Him. So He first came to be like us. Lastly, we'll only be open to receive this forgiveness if we actually believe that He's good. My life changed. My life changed when I read Romans 8, verse 31. And if you have your Bible, especially if you're a young person, dude, this passage, underline it, highlight it. Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be Against us. Because he didn't spare his own son. But he gave him up for us. How then will he not. Give us all things. You see what Paul is saying. God didn't spare his own son. For you. He didn't spare his own son. How much more will he not give you everything else. How much is he not going to help fulfill those dreams. That he's put inside of you. How much more isn't he wanting to reconcile that relationship that you're a part of? How much more doesn't he want to see your inside be full of his love? How much more doesn't he want to free you from addiction? How much more doesn't he want to just heal you? If he didn't stop at giving you his kid, how much more won't he give you everything else? You see, when my my life changed, when I realized God doesn't just love me and put up with me. He's not just like an annoyed dad who's like, oh, there's my kid again, acting all crazy. He likes me. He likes you. (laughs) God likes you. He wants to be with you. And he says, I got the best stuff in the world. I got it all, and I want to give it to you. I want to walk with you. I want to fill you with like the best stuff. So here's my question this morning. Have you surrendered to that love again and again and again? Maybe you did it one time and you said, now I'm not really sure how to be a Christian. I heard a rabbi say, make sure that you repent or that you turn or you confess the day before you die. And they said to him, well, how do we know when we're going to die? And he said, aha, you don't. His point was every day, turn yourself in to the love of God. Every single day, turn yourself over to that hound of heaven. Turn yourself in to his sacrifice for you. Turn yourself in to his love. Surrender to that love every single day. Today is the day that the Lord made. Today is the day that his love endures for you. Open up that box, man. Open up that cooler. Let the the freshness of the Lord come in. Second challenge for you. One, have you surrendered yourself to that love? Have you surrendered your life again today to that love? He will forgive. He will heal. He will clean out. From the inside, I got an awesome email this week from somebody who was moved by Scott's sermon last week, and they said, "You know, in my workplace, I started to sing that song that uh, Scott challenged us to sing. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here." And he goes, "Something in my inside is like popping. Something's like happening in there, and I don't know what it is, but it, it, it's really good." It's like that's that's the work of the Holy Spirit, man. That is God loving you and and filling you from the inside out. Secondly, if you have surrendered to that love again and again and again, and you have uh, given your life over to that, the love of God, what is your plan for continuing to grow in that love? Now, this is, this is uh, something, again, I said I think this is the single most important thing for anybody who has any kind of influence. Because if your heart and my heart is not in tune um, with God's love, man, can we we can really hurt folks, can't we? Because we can be about our agenda. Or we could be about our little thing. And we could do a lot more damage than we do good. If our heart is out of whack, if our heart is out of out of sync, out of tune, if there's some real roadkill in there, man, we could do a lot of, of, of harm in the world. That's why Jesus confronts the Pharisees so hard. Because he's like, when you have structures in place of power, and those places of power reflect something other than the love and the care and the justice of God and the truth of God, that's a dangerous recipe. And so for you personally, what is the plan that you have in place to assure that God's love remains at the center of who you are? At the center of your life? Maybe you gather um, with some friends um, maybe you have some people that you call who don't just tell you what you want to hear but who say hey it sounds to you like there's some stuff going on it sounds to you like, like, like maybe there's something inside you that, that you might need some help with it, it sounds to me like like what he said on Sunday is very true for you Maybe it's a book that you read. Um, maybe you're in the habit of reading it every year. I read a book every single year, and I have for the last five years, sometimes multiple times a year. It's called In the Name of Jesus. And I want to just give, if, if you want to borrow it from me, you can borrow it or buy your own. It's like 12 bucks. Even though it's so little on Amazon, it's $12. I don't know how they're selling it for that much, but just, it's amazing. Um, in the Name of Jesus by Henry Nouwen amazing book that just keeps my heart in check? Do you have friends or people that you open yourself to? Um, Mario said this week when we were talking about this sermon, he goes, I had a professor one time that challenged us to go to the people closest to us and ask, what do you see in me right now? I'm I'm not sure I'm ready to do that one yet, but what do you see in me right now? Maybe they'll say, I see a lot of joy, I see a lot of love. I, I, when I'm w- walking into the room with you, I feel the love in your heart. Or maybe they'll say, honestly, you seem really like hurt or really confused. Or you seem angry about something. I don't know what, but you just seem angry. Or you just kind of seem distant, like you're not there, like you're not present. Like you're, you're there, but you're not there. You're somewhere else. And I don't know why that is. This author, Brene Brown, says, you know, love is showing up. It's when we show up, when we're present. And so maybe for you, it's asking those people closest to you. And the plan for you moving forward is, hey, every every month or so, I'm just going to check in with my significant other, with my grandkids, with my children, with my friends, hey, just kind of doing this thing for church. Because the most awkward part is, like, how do you ask someone this? Just tell them we got assigned this at church. Someone close to you. I got this assignment and that I have to do. And um, what do you see in me right now? And do you see more love in me today than you did a year ago? Or five years ago? Or 10 years ago? Or 15 years ago? People at the river, our hope and our dream, what what if, what if we kept growing in this thing, this amazing, life-changing, life-altering thing, the love of God? What would that look like? I heard a story about someone from this community this week. This is what I think it would look like. This person volunteers something like half a dozen hours every single week in this relationship that, that other people don't really like, they look and they're just like, I'm not really sure what's going on, but this person comes alongside this, this other person who's walking through a lot of changes, and getting old is hard, getting old is very hard, and somebody else just walks alongside them in, in love and just says, I'm gonna be present in their life. This beautiful act of like selflessness. And I know the only reason they can do that is because they have that love of God at the center of who they are. They've said, here's my junk and I gave it to God and instead of judgment and criticism, he gave me his love. He's a good, good father and I went to him and he just like filled me with light and he filled me with love and he gave me life. And man, now that just like oozes out of me. I can't help it. That's what I wanna be like. And when you experience that in my presence, man, I'm gonna give you some permission here. If you experience something other with me, tell me. Because I love way more, I want to look like Jesus way more than I want to have my stuff put together. I want to look like Christ way more than I want to be cool. I want to look like Christ way more than I want to be a cooler that's shut, that looks like it's full of some tasty treats, but is actually full of roadkill. And so, you have permission when you see other things in me, please let me know. I had to apologize this week to a friend who I realized, I'm overstepping on some things. Um, I had to just confess to them, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this. And so, what if, what if, what would it look like if that love, that place, we were transformed from the inside out? We were real With God and what was in here. And He was real with us and said, Hey, I got nothing but love for you. Let me take that from you. It's mine. It's mine to worry about, it's mine to forgive. Amen. Let's pray. You're a good, good Father. That's who you are. And we're loved by you. That's who we are. God, forgive us for when we forget that place. Forgive us for for times when we forget that place at the center of your heart. Lord, I pray for this community. For the people here, the ones not here. Lord, I pray for our city. I pray for this region. Pray for the state of California, for the United States, for the entire world. Lord, that your love would never fail. It it never fails. It never gives up. It always protects. It it always perseveres. It's patient. It's kind. God, your love, it's not boastful. It's not rude. It's not proud. It's just gentle. It's good, we can't turn away from it. And so this morning we just say again, we're yours. And we just surrender again to your love. We surrender our our families to your love. We surrender our work to your love. Surrender our our insecurity to your love. And we say we are yours. We are your people bought by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. You didn't stop at giving your own son for us. How much more won't you give us all things? So help us to trust that you are good. That your plan for us is good. That the future that you have for us is very good. Help us to, to, to live fully in that. And as we receive from you, may it just, may we be full of your love. May it endure in us forever. In Jesus' name, amen.